Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. While you're turning there, um, I was reminded, don't forget, this is Christmas season. How many of you have received a Christmas card already? How many of you wish you received a Christmas card already? How many of you don't like Christmas cards at all? Well, whether you do or you don't, we have an inexpensive way to, to deal with Christmas cards. Obviously, some people love them, some people like, hate them, and some folks are in between. Whether you do or you don't, we have an easy way if you want to give to folks, Christmas cards to folks in your church. We have a box back. Uh, it's divided by the, the last name of the person. So uh, if you'd like to, no, and there's no postage. You know, that $50 you have to pay every time you send a, a, a letter. Not quite that much, but it's getting higher all the time. Uh, you don't have to pay that. I got I got my first Christmas card the other day and thought to myself, well, that's that's wonderful. And I, by the grace of God, don't send them one too. But it's a good idea to encourage one another, help one another, you know. And so, if you'd like to do that, the box is back there. You you can uh, give do it that way instead of spending money on the postage. So, Mark chapter thirteen this morning. Mark chapter thirteen. We are in verse fourteen. We're looking at this these last. Days of the Lord Jesus Christ, we call this the Passion Week. We believe, many believe this is Wednesday. Uh, last week we talked about specifically the character of the Antichrist. Who he is, what's he going to do, uh, what, 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 where does he get his power, uh, what is, how, who's going who's to be there to, to uh, pro- proclaim his name, the false prophet, uh, the, fault, the, uh, the image that takes the image of the beast, the, the mark of the beast. We talked about all those things last week. We specifically looked at the, the person, the Antichrist, who is coming. And we, a couple of weeks before that, we talked about how this question, how this person came uh, to be uh, in, it, when Jesus was actually speaking about him. If you remember, the disciples were, had just come out of the, the temple with Jesus. They were, Christ was looking at the w- widow and, and others as they were giving money uh, there in the temple. And the disciples, one of the disciples uh, asked Jesus about the temple or talked to him about the temple. And you can read this account, not just in Mark, but I encourage you to read it. And if you have a harmony of the Gospels, which is very, I think you can get them online for free. You can read the account here in Mark chapter 13, also in Matthew and Luke and John. And read about this Olivet Discourse and, and what Christ was saying to his disciples. He had done all these wonderful, miraculous deeds from chapter 1 up to chapter 11. Now he goes into Jerusalem and he's being attacked by these religious leaders because they don't, they don't like what he, what he says. You ever been attacked because you, they, people don't like what you say? Hey, when you stand up for righteousness, people are not going to like it. People are not, people are not going to be for you when you tell them that right is actually right and wrong is not right. You're going to tell them the truth of the word of God, people are not like it. And these religious leaders, they, they didn't like it very much. So they begin to, they begin to, to, to kind of ask him more questions to try to trip him up. Ultimately, they're going to, he's going to, Christ is going to be betrayed and he's going to be crucified. But in the midst of these, this, this, those questions, Jesus takes the time to tell the disciples of the things that are going to come to pass. And we're now in chapter 13, verse 14. And Jesus said here in verse, in verse 14, And when you shall see the abomination of the desolation, desolation spoken by the Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, ought, where it ought not let him that readeth understand, then let him that be in the Judah flee to the mountains. Let him that is in the housetop uh, not go down to the house, neither 
in, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. Let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up this garment. But woe to them that are, that are w- with child and to them that give suck in those days and pray that ye your flight be not in the winter for in those days shall be affliction. Such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord shall shorten these days, no flesh shall be saved for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen. He hath shortened the days. And when any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is, he is there, believe him not. And if false Christ and false prophets shall arise and show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye, take heed, take ye heed. Behold, I have foretold you all these things. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be broken. Father, we thank you for the, this time. As we pause for just a moment and are reminded of the power of your word, how precious it is. We thank you for the promises we find in it. And Lord, as we look at these things, they will surely come to pass as, as sure as we are in this room. Lord, we, we are frightened in a sense because we know the future does not look, good, not look good. But Lord, we can be comforted because we know Christ. We can be confident because we know ahead of time what is coming. We thank you for, for these things. We pray, God, you'd help us while we can to understand these things, proclaim these truths. Help us, Lord, give us ears to hear so we might know you better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember when I was growing up, I don't remember exactly how I got started in it. I think it was probably because one of my friends encouraged me to go because he was going. I got in the Boy Scouts. How many of you guys were Boy Scouts growing up or Cub Scouts you were going to? Going to? Well, I don't know what it's like today. I probably, if I know how things are, it's probably a whole lot different than what it used to be. But I remember years ago, back in the 80s, as a young man in my early teens, I think one night a week, I think it was Thursday night if I remember, we met in the old, old Methodist church in the basement, and we had Boy Scouts. And it was, they, they taught us all kinds of things, we, usually about an hour. And I think it was last week, I was in my, I had a little time during Thanksgiving break, I, I went into a garage and looking for things in the garage is always an adventure. And over in the garage, I found my old Boy Scout book. And I was re- looking through it, and I showed my daughter the book. And it had all kinds of things in that I had forgotten in there. It ta- talked about how to start a fire. talked about how to, how to help someone who's sick, how to give first aid. talked about how to, how to uh, tie a knot. I had all these things. Man, every person in the world ought to be able to read that book. It's just a wealth of information in that Boy Scout book. I was just reading. I just couldn't believe how much stuff that I'd forgotten that was in that book. And I said, I should read that thing again. It was great. It was wonderful. But the motto of the Boy Scouts is be prepared. Be prepared. If there's anything you and I should be as Christians, dear friends, we have a book that's a whole lot better than the Boy Scout book. (laughs) And as we read this book, we should be prepared prepared for what is coming in the future and that's what Jesus was doing in teaching his messiahs 
teaching, teaching his disciples. The Messiah was saying what's coming is all these different signs. There's going to be counterfeit messiahs. There's going to be uh, coming destruction. There's going to be catastrophes. There's going to be worldwide earthquakes and famines and plagues. All these things are coming to pass. He even mentions the fact they're, they're like, ladies, you understand, birth pangs. The birth is not yet there, but the, 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 the hurt, the the, 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 the I don't I can't explain it the way you can explain it, but it's coming. The birth is not there yet, but it's coming. And so the Antichrist is coming. The time for for the, the destruction of the world is coming. And that's what he is telling to his disciples and ultimately to us. What can we learn this morning? Well, a couple of things we see the perversion of the Antichrist. Look at verse 14 again. When you see the abomination of the desolation spoken by the Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, let him that be in the Judah, Judea flee into the mountains. We see this term abomination. Abomination, interesting. It refers to that which is detestable. Abomination, that which is foul, immoral, blasphemous, abhorrent to God. It's used in reference in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. It says, and there shall no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know we were all born sinners. Any of you remember going to grandma's house or aunt or uncle's house, and they said, before you walk into this room, you better take off your shoes. Because you got the, the mud and the junk of the world in your shoes, you better take off. You know, before you get to heaven, you had to be clean. And you can't make yourself clean. Ain't enough, world, ain't enough water in the world to baptize you to get yourself clean. Ain't enough money to give to the church or charity to make yourself clean. Nothing you can do but know Jesus Christ who died for you can make yourself clean. That's the only way you can be clean. People are trying to make themselves clean in so many different ways, but there's only, there only, can, only can be cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. We see this term abomination, but what about the time of this abomination the book of Daniel mentions the abomination of desolation three times, three times. It's, it teaches about it historically. The first is through a man by the name of Antiochus IV. He called himself Theos Epiphanes, which means the manifest God. He was an antichrist. Antiochus desecrated the temple of Jerusalem in 175. He lived between 175 and 165 B.C., uh, his reign. And he desecrated the temple. He, he, he sacrificed an altar on the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, he sacrificed a pig on the altar. Why was it such a pig? Because the Jews back in then, remember the dietary laws? They couldn't eat pig. So they, Antiochus desecrated a pig on the altar there in the temple in Jerusalem. He, called, he claimed himself to be God. That was something that happened in the past. He, 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 create, he, create, he created, erected idols to Zeus within its walls. But there's coming the one who is actually the Antichrist. When will he come? Well, the Bible talks about at that during that seventh week, that last seven days during the tribulation, three and a half years into that, the Antichrist will come into Jerusalem and he will desolate, desecrate the, the, the temple there, which someday will be built, and I believe will be built soon. And he will claim to be the Messiah. For three and a half years, he will proclaim peace, peace. 
he will, he will, the people will think he's, he's the one that's coming. The Jews will think this is the one that's come back, that's been prophesied from old all the way back to Genesis. But he will, they will recognize on that day that he is a false Christ. He's the Antichrist. He will elevate himself above all. He'll be called to worship the people he'll call others to worship. He'll come in accord with the activity of Satan, with power and signs and false wonders, with deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. And for those who rejected Jesus over and over and over and over and over again, ultimately they will be damned because they received not the love of the truth. This one is coming. This one is the spirit of Antichrist is even in the world today. Deception is in the world today. Destruction is in the world today. The seed of his coming is planted in the world today. Now, we don't know who he is. Though love, people love to speculate, don't they? We don't know who he is, but we know he's coming. We know he's coming. And what is his chief goal? His chief goal is to deceive us. His chief goal is to help us to deceive us so we will be enraptured in sin. We will call that which is right wrong. We'll call that which is right is wrong. What happened last week in the Senate? 72 senators, representatives of the United States, voted and said that same-sex marriage is right. Twelve Republicans, one of them a Mormon said that same-sex marriage is right. They are representatives of the United States of America, and they declared that same-sex marriage is wrong. But the Bible declares it's wrong. It's always wrong, folks. It's always wrong. It's an abomination. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Man, when you look at a woman, you ought to say, that's a woman. When you look at a man, you say, that's a man. And you, after about five seconds, you shouldn't be too fuzzy about it. You shouldn't have to look four or five times to try to figure that out. Amen? That's what the Bible says. You say, preacher, that's Old Testament, dear friend, that's true today. That's just as true as when Moses wrote, Moses wrote it on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in Leviticus is as true today, right now in the United States of America. You see, God destroys people or generations or countries or world when they believe that wrong is right. Remember, the world was created and it got so corrupt, it got so wicked that God repented of even created man. And he sent a flood to destroy everyone except for Noah and his children. Now, they could have been saved if they had believed him, but they, he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. You don't think he preached against this kind of stuff? You don't think for 120 years Noah got up there and said, hey, what you guys are doing is wrong. Your violence is wrong. Your morality is wrong. Your adultery is wrong. You're having sex with men and men with, and, and all that. That's all wrong. And they rejected him, and they all died in the flood. They all died in the flood. God sent fire to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they believed wrong was right. And God is judging the United States of America because the United States of America believes wrong is right. What's happening in us right now as a country, 
And as a people, we're under the judgment of God. And we will continue to be under the judgment of God. We see the perversion of the Antichrist, but the panic of the people. Look at verse 14. It says, when they shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, wherein it ought not to be, let him that readeth understand, let him that, that be in the Judea flee to the mountains. We see the panic of the people. See the place of their scattering. It, let them, it says, let them flee there unto Judea. Let them go. Let them, let them get away. Let them, let them scatter. We see the place of their scattering, but the second, the protection of the scattering. Flee to the mountains. Many people believe this will be towards that walled city called Petra. They will flee to a place of protection. They'll flee to a place of, of hiding. We see, the, the thirdly, the priority of their scattering. Let them flee on the housetop, not go to the house, neither enter therein, or take anything out of the house. Let him that is in the field not turn back against to take his garment. He said, don't waste time. You know, you ever thought about the fact that if there was a fire in your house, somebody called you right now and said your house is burning down, what would you go in and get if you could go in and get it? Now, some of you would say, you'd do everything to save that little, that little pooch. Or some of you might go in there and try to get some papers. Or some of you try to get some pictures. But Jesus is saying here, hey, it's going to be such a desperate time. Don't go back into the house to go get those important things. You're not going to have time. You're not going to be able to carry them. You don't have time to do it. You've got to flee. There's priority in this. There's a problem in the scattering. Fourth, woe to them that are with child. And them that give suck in those days. It said, ladies who are pregnant, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be more difficult to deal with children. And the prayer, fifth, and the, the, the prayer and the scouting, pray in the flight. Be not in winter. Not only the, the priority, not only the protection, but the place, but the prayer. Hey, pray. It's not going to be the winter time. We, don't be during the cold time. It's a little harder to move when, think, when you got snow, isn't it? A little more, little more difficult when things are frozen out there. A little harder to get down the way to travel when, when things are cold. What, why is this all happening? Why is there... Why during this, this last three, year, three and a half years of the tribulation, is, why is this all happening? The desolation, abomination is going to happen. Abomination, desolation is going to happen. He's going to reveal himself to be the Antichrist. And what is he going to do? He's going to, after three and a half years of saying, peace, 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 now he's going to reveal himself and he's going to say, destruction, war, and death. You know who he primarily is going to go after? The Jewish people. And Christians, he's going to go after the righteous. He's going to destroy them from the world. He's going to destroy them. We see that even going back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember the Garden of Eden and the snake? What was that all about? To destroy the seed so Eve would not give birth ultimately to a child that would become the Christ. Before the flood, the fallen angels, I believe, possessed evil men. And they had relations with women and produced a wicked generation that God had to destroy, as I mentioned, everyone except Noah and his family. What was that about? To destroy the world so the seed would not be prolonged that could save the world. The building of the Tower of Babel, one man by the name of Nimrod came. He wanted to build this huge edifice. But God called the, caused them to have confusion, began to babble. To speak different languages so they could not build this edifice up to heaven. The Jews in exile under uh, Haman tried to destroy, eradicate the Jews. What was that all about? Was that just one man by name Haman? Haman, no. The devil was pulling the strings to destroy the Jews so the Christ child could not save the world. Going, going the, the coming Messiah. Remember how Herod the, the Great 
killed all the children from two years old and younger. What was all that about? Was that Herod? No, that was, that was the devil trying to destroy the Christ child who would come. And the Christ on the cross. They thought, the devil thought, well, surely I've, I've won. <laughs> I've defeated him. He will die on that cross. But no, dear friend, through his death was salvation. Well, that was, what was that all? What was all the religious leaders doing? What, what, what was all the, what was the, the, the tricking through Judas and the, the paying of the 30 pieces of silver? What was all out about? Was that men? No, that was the devil trying to pull strings and destroy the Christ that could save. The Jews in Germany under Hitler, what was that about? Just a madman? No, it was another Antichrist who wanted to exterminate the Jews. But it was the Antichrist who's coming. He's coming to destroy the Jewish people and all who stand for righteousness. Because he hates righteousness. The perversion of the Antichrist, the panic of the people. But God himself will protect us. It says in verse 20, except the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh shall be saved before the elect whom he hath chosen. He has shortened the days. And when he hath any man shall say, lo, see you, lo, where here is Christ, or lo, here he is there. Believe him not. Believe him not. We see the Lord's will. The, the Lord himself will shorten the days. This word here, shorten, it means to end abruptly, to stop the insanity, to stop instantly. Why? Because if things weren't shortened, if he didn't shorten the days, he could, even this, this, this wicked one, this, this false deceiver, this antichrist, would even deceive the elect. And the elect here, of course, is Christians, people who believed in Christ during the tribulation. There'll be millions, millions upon millions of people saved Throughout the tribulation, the gospel we go go forth through the 144,000 Jewish who goes Jewish evangelists who go out through the world. There'll be people saved, people be deceived. But thank God, the time will be shortened, and He's going to give a warning. He gives a warning. Not only we see His will, we see His warning. It says, "Take heed." Verse 23: Behold, I foretold you all things. Things. What's He saying? He's saying, "Be prepared. Be prepared for the coming destruction. Be prepared for what's going to happen." And we are seeing these things, the signs of these things, even now. But they will certainly come during the tribulation. You see, friend, anytime there's trouble, there's these characteristics. Listen to me. Anytime there's national trouble or world trouble, here's some, here's some characteristics of that time. First of all, there's a censoring of truth. You see, that during, the, during this time of tribulation, the, devil, the Antichrist and the devil and the false prophets, they don't want you to know the word of God. What, what did Hitler do during the times of the time of the Jews? He destroyed the Bible. You see, friend, this is the word of truth. The devil and the Antichrist, the false prophets, they're into deception. They're into lie. They're going to be, hey, take the beast. Take the mark of the beast. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't live. Anytime there is worldwide trouble, first, first thing happens is there a censoring of the truth, of the truth. People don't want you to hear the truth, but they're trying to deceive you with something else. Secondly, there's a spread of fear. Fear. Oh, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going to happen. People get fearful. They get afraid. They get scared. And what happens after that? After truth is censored, people are fearful. What happens then? People divide. People divide. They, oh, I should do this. No, no, don't do that. No, you do this. No, no don't do that. No. They get divisive over stuff like that. Then thirdly, we see the discouragement. They get discouraged. The righteous get discouraged because people are divided. People are, are, are frustrated and upset and angry and don't know what to do and scared and afraid. And there's this censoring of truth. 
for the righteous get discouraged. But what is the real purpose behind all of this? To destroy the populace. Destroy the populace. Why? Because the devil hates you, friend. The devil hates you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's why the devil, that's why all this is happening. So the devil hates us. Why does he hate us? Because you, friend, are made in the image of God. He hates you. He hates you not because of you. He hates you because you're made in the image of God. And his desire is to destroy you. And dear friend, that's what's happening even today in this world. We see the destruction of, of people because of the deception, because of the censoring of truth, because of the spreading of fear, because of the division of the people, because of the discouragement of the righteous. We see that even in these days. These things that are hap- going to happen in the future are beginning to happen even now in front of us right now. I heard a story of a man by the name of Andrew and Noreen Brent Bronson. They were relaxing during a vacation at a Turkish retreat on the Aegean Sea when the phone rang. And the voice on the other side said, Andrew, the police have just been here and they're looking for you. Brother Andrew had been the pastor for 24 year, years at the New Testament church in Smyrna, Smyrna, Turkey. He was put under arrest and sentenced for 735 days. He talks about in his memoir called God's, Host- God's Hostage of what, how he had to go through. In times he was in solitary confinement where there was nothing but a stinky, smelly cell. And he had to, his, his Bible was taken away. His glasses were taken away. When you take away somebody's glasses, you're pretty much in bad shape. His Bible was taken away. His glasses were taken away. And he sat there for days and days upon end. Other times he was in a cell with many people. So stifling was the heat sometimes. So congested was the room. He thought he could not even breathe. Some some of you know what it's like to be in a room that's crowded. You don't like to be in a room that's crowded. (laughs) You get a little bit afraid. I see some of you, even though shaking hands, you like to go outside there because you get a little claustrophobic. Imagine being in a cell where you cannot get out of that cell and the people are pressing up against you and it's hot and you have nowhere to go. And you're in that cell day after day after day after day with no hope of getting out. He got to the point where he said in his words, I can't handle this. I have constant panic. I can't sleep. I've lost weight. I fought for eight months to control myself. I can't handle it anymore. He said, I was, he told the, a, a friend, I was afraid I was going to go insane. Each day I focused on fighting through my fear to reach a place where I surrendered myself to whatever God had in front of me. And one verse that he had memorized, he repeated to himself over and over. It was Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. It reads, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his, of his servant? He walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And dear friends, the word that he memorized from the word of God is true in a jail cell. is true in your life today. It's true in your life today. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. 
He said, I believe the pressures that we're always seeing in our country now are going to increase. And one of these pressures is going to be hostility towards the people who embrace Jesus Christ and his teaching who are not ashamed to stand up for him. My concern is they were not ready for the pressure. My concern is that we are not ready for the pressure. What's happened in the last two years? How do we as Christians deal with it? How do we deal with the censorship of truth? How do we deal with the fear? How do we deal with the division? How do we deal with it? How do we deal with the discouragement? How do we deal with the birth pangs of what's coming to the future? What did, how did God's people react? Well, I can tell you for some, some hadn't showed up back yet. <laughs> I, say, I say some Christians who said they were members of this church, they ain't showed back yet. How did they deal with it? How folks during times of tribulation where you're told if you don't get this mark, you can't go into that place and get food. How are they going to deal with it? So, dear friends, I know folks, when you say don't, you can't go in there and don't eat, that's pretty, that's probably that's life and death. I've seen some of you go without a couple of hours in that food and you get pretty hungry. I see how you act. Now imagine not being able to go to Walmart, ladies. Or you can't, or you can't go to Publix if you don't get this mark. How are you going to react when you can't feed your babies? Well, again, I guarantee you, some people have been learning how to plant and how to fish, 101, right? But it's going to be a time of change. It's going to be a time of desperation. How is God's people going to react in those days? And let me tell you, we're going, things in this world, as we've already seen, are going to get worse. How are we going to respond when things get worse? What if we were told by the mayor of Gainesville, you can't meet no more in that, in that place? What if they would ever say that? I was working, looking for that letter to come by my desk any day during those two years. Thank God it didn't. But what if it did? What would we do? What would we do? Have you thought about what would you do if your family or your friends didn't like you because you said Jesus Christ is king? Some of you have endured that. What happens if your employer says, hey, you know what? I see you talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible. If you, don't, if you do that one more time and you're fired, what are you going to do? You're going to capitulate and say, well, whatever you say, sir. Or are you going to say what Peter is? Second, what Peter said. <laughs> Peter said, you know what? I, I understand you're the authority, but I have to preach and teach the word of God. That's what, they, that's what he did. That's what he did. What are we going to do, dear friends, in these, in these last days? What are we going to do at Christmas Day with your, your atheist family and you sit down to say grace? You're going to be afraid to say grace? Because you don't want a friend, that, that cousin who goes to that college and they laugh at God? You're afraid to offend them because you don't want to say, say you don't want, you're going to bow your head. You're afraid down in Sundays to bow your head. Oh, dear friend, times of testing are coming, and it's going to prove the character of Christians. What type of character do we have? Are we more afraid of offending a person, or are we more afraid and fearful of offending God? What's it going to come down to, friends? What's it going to come down to? In these last days before the rapture of the church, we must be prepared. Brother Andrew said, Matthew, he said, I quoted Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. Then shall deliver you to be afflicted, shall kill you, and shall be hated of all nations for your sake. No, 
for not my name's sake. That's what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. We need to be prepared. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall have all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. What does he say? Get sad, pout, get, don't say anything, quit going to church, quit calling anybody, get bitter, become the Scrooge, the Grinch. Was that what he say? That's how you react when people talk bad about you? Don't like you, don't shake your hand, don't thank you. Is that how you're supposed to react? No, what Jesus say, verse, verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for, glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Oh, dear friend, when you go through persecution, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's not tribulation days. That's the day. If you truly live for Jesus Christ, the one number one characteristic of your life is you're going to go through persecution. If you watch a TV show, something comes on a TV show you shouldn't be watching. Somebody ought to say, you might want to turn that off. If you go to turn it off, somebody gets mad at you. You're going through some persecution. Uh, one, one husband says to the wife, husband says to the wife, or wife says to the husband, I think we should tithe more or actually tithe it all. The other person in the relationship, I don't think we should do it. I think we should spend our money on X. Well, it's going to be some persecution. Somebody says, you know what, I think we should go to church tonight. Well, it's not a bad idea. I preach for it. Oh, man, I'm going to stay here and watch the ball game. The, char- the Chiefs are, are going to play the Bengals. I'm going to stay and watch the game. The other person says, honey, don't you think we ought to go to church to hear the word of God? Don't you think that would be good for our kids to see us as parents going to church? Oh, might be a little cold that night. Persecution. Are you willing to deal with it? You see, friends, if we're not willing to deal with it in our homes and the church, how are we going to deal with it when it really hits us? How are we going to deal with it? Do you want to be loved by men or thanked by God? Who will you choose? What it comes down to? Loyalty. Who am I loyal to? When I met my wife, we were, I told Brother Dave and Karen back, we met at Bob Jones University at the, uh, at the Rhoda Haver Auditorium during, a, during, a Christmas, uh, during summer break. I had a class. She had a class. We met, and uh, I asked her out. Thanked to God, she said yes. Six months later, we were married. But one thing I remember saying to her is, I want to love the Lord God, and I want you, she said, I want you to love the Lord God more than me. You see, the Bible says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mamas, love Jesus more than your kids. Men, love Jesus more than your work. Jesus becomes before job. Jesus becomes before kids. Jesus becomes before family. Jesus is first. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Who do you love? You see, we're going to see the character of Christianity in the next 10 years if we last this long in America. The faithful, the true Christians are going to stick to the stuff. 
They're going to show up to church. They're going to read their Bibles. They're going to pray. They're going to witness no matter what happens. If family deserts them, if friends don't like them, if they say bad things to them on Facebook, they're still going to do right. I love what Bob Jones Sr. said. He said, do right till the stars fall. Will you do right? Will you do right? Will you choose to do right? Though everybody around you chooses to do wrong, will you choose to do right? So that when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Dear friend, I don't think he's going to say that to every Christian. You know why? Because a lot of us haven't been good and faithful. We've just been servants. It's like tomorrow morning, you know tomorrow morning, you guys who work tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, some folks are not tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, they just show up. <laughs> and if they show up, it's a wonder, it's a wonder if they show up. Now, you're probably not going to get any work, to, work at them because they've been talking about their partying for the last two days until afternoon. But they're going to show up. But there's some people at work, there's a few, who show up and as soon as they hit the door, they're ready to work. And they work, sometimes they get there at 7.30 and they work sometimes past the clock at 5.30. They're faithful and true and they do the work. And thank God there's Christians in this church and throughout the world just like that. Who are faithful and true and stick by the stuff and are loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for you folks. I know who you are, but more importantly, God knows who you are. God knows. What a wonderful day when we see him who was loyal to us and went to the cross so we can have everlasting life. Are you ready to meet him? Do you know him? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore being justified, that means declared righteous, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do I know him? By having faith in him. It's not what I've done. It's who I know. Do you know him this morning? I think a lot of times, a lot of folks don't do what they should because they don't know who they should know. A lot of folks in churches, even in church maybe like this and others all across the world, have been raised believing, man, if I just pray one little prayer and you know, everything's going to be fine, but they have a false hope. The Bible says, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, there'll be many who stand before him saying, hey, I've done this and I've done that. And what would Jesus say? He would say, I never knew you. Never knew you. I never knew you. Do you know Christ as your Savior? And Christian, are you living by the grace of God to please the Lord every day of your life? Not just on Sunday morning, but on sun, on, not just on Sunday night, not just on Wednesday night. Are you living to please him? Are you living with a priority towards him? In these last days, may Christ be the number one priority in your life. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we know <laughs> dark days are coming. Lord, we know we need to be prepared. I pray, God, that you would help us to be prepared. Help us, even now, to spend more time with you, to pray more than we've ever had.